Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Merry Christmas, brothers and sisters in Christ. Merry Christmas season. Thank you so much for tuning in to Stand Up For The Truth, for sharing the podcasts. The last week um, of numbers has been just really good, and that's we give God all the glory. But for someone that doesn't do any marketing or advertising, who is censored on social media, and who the Stand Up For The Truth page being shadow banned and uh, hardly any activity there— for, for God to be getting our podcast out is, to me, miraculous. I know it's no big deal in the big scheme of things, but it matters because we believe we are standing on the truth, not only on God's Word, but on the biblical worldview. And uh, so thank you so very much, everyone who's listening. J.B. Hickson is with us today. But before we get to him, and I'm going to ask him to pray to open up our podcast today, but um, this is the last day, your last chance to vote for your favorite podcast of 2021 or your favorite guest. So you can vote by sending an email or you can call us. But let me give you the email address, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Comments at standupforthetruth.com. You can call 800-979-9010, extension 105, 800-979-9010. 9010 extension 105 to vote for your favorite podcast. And um, yeah, so that right now it looks like there's a, almost a three way tie, but let me just rattle off some names on the list uh, Dr. Erwin Lutzer, Todd Friel, Dr. Lee Merritt, JB Hickson, John Leffler, Trevor Loudon, Pastors Tim Stevens, Carrie Gordon, Steve Smotherman. And uh, James Simpson, who was was on with us last month. But there's so many more that we shared with you last week. We've been reading off the lists of recent guests. So get your vote into me today. Stand, I'm sorry, comments at standupforthetruth.com. All right, I just want to read um, a quick portion of Scripture, and then I'm going to turn it over to today's guest, and we are going to pray and open this thing up. Jeremiah 23 3 through 6 says, Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and bring them back to their pasture, and they will be fruitful and multiply. I will also raise up shepherds over them, and they will tend them. They will not be afraid any longer, nor be terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, capital B, and he will reign as king. And act wisely and do justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. That's Jeremiah 23 verses 3 through 6 today. J.B. Hickson is with us, not by works ministries, not by works.org. He's got many theological degrees, the author of nine books at least, and has contributed to theological journals. And one of his many books is called Getting the Gospel Wrong. He's the pastor of Plum Creek Chapel, uh, my family in Christ there in Sedalia, Colorado. J.B., welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth. Hey, David. Great to be back. Merry Christmas. And uh, we uh, sure uh, think about you often down here at Plum Creek Chapel and uh, Appreciate your time that you had with us here a month or so ago, but uh, looking forward to a great topic today on the program. Yes, we're going to answer some questions today, and if it's okay, JB, I would like to ask you to open us in prayer. You bet. Let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you so much for the start to a new week, especially a week when we look forward to celebrating the birth of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you that he is the righteous branch and that we can look forward to one day when he will reign in perfect peace and justice and righteousness and all of these uh, evils that we see all around us all of the inequities and unfairness of life will be made right 
and what a glorious day that will be. And so, Father, as we abide these uh, difficult times and changing times, I pray that you'd give us wisdom. We thank you for Stand Up for the Truth uh, Radio and David and all that he's doing to help uh, proclaim the truth. And we pray that uh, even today's podcast would would really uh, strike a chord with folks and encourage and convict and lead and guide and I pray that you would just be with us for the remainder of this hour. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And before we get to the article, we're going to talk about some questions we are going to answer today. Um, Having almost come to the end of 2021, going into 2022, I open up Harbinger's Daily. It's one of the sites I go to daily for uh, news, biblical perspective. And the first top-left article is by J.B. Hicks, and congratulations, brother. Uh, the article is called The Greatest Reset. We're going to be talking about that in just a little bit, but uh, it was great to see you on there, J.B., and, um, and you're one of the churches that they do recommend, so kudos, brother. Well, thank you. Yeah, we were excited about that. Uh, I write a, a small article each week for our church and for our ministry with Not By Works Ministries, and... Uh, yeah, I was really delighted that Harbingers uh, picked that up and reposted it, and uh, mm-hmm. encourage everybody to check it out, The Greatest Reset. Yeah, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. I just want to touch on one article of interest as we kind of get into taking the pulse of the church in America. And um, over at, well, several outlets reported this, Pew Research, nearly three in ten Americans now have no religion, and that is an increase of 10 percentage points in 10 years. J.B. Hickson, your thoughts on this? Well, it's, uh, it's terrifying, but at the same time, it's, uh, I'm sad to say, not surprising, because the biblical model is that we are headed towards a one-world religion. It's not going to be just a one-world government and one-world political system, but a one-world religion hmm. during that final seven years leading up to the return of Christ. And so the stage is clearly being set. Uh, there is always a remnant, and we're thankful for those uh, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ and churches worldwide that are holding firm to the truth and proclaiming a clear gospel and making a difference in this world. Uh, but let's be clear, the Bible predicts that things will get worse and worse, and that um, at some point, uh, known only to the Lord, the church is going to be rescued from this present evil age, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. That will occur prior to the great day of the Lord's wrath, that seven-year period uh, called the 70th week of Daniel. But it's during that final seven-year period after the rapture that we will see a pluralistic, Mm. one-world religion. Uh, It's not going to be all Muslim or all Roman Catholic or all uh, Buddhist or anything like that. It's going to be a one-world, pluralistic religion where uh, anything goes. And so... Mm. I guess those percentages are just sort of setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah, there's some interesting points in here. don't want to spend too much time on it because it's not surprising to those of us who have been informed and paying attention and discerning, uh, looking at the world from a biblical standpoint, from a prophetic standpoint. Uh, But more than 50% identified as neither spiritual nor religious. Also, uh, it noted there was a significant percentage of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, who grew up religious, but then disaffiliated. Uh, 60% of respondents said that religion was was at least somewhat important to their families during their childhood. But it's interesting, JB, um, and this falls on the pulpits, I believe, on the church and the lack of teaching, equipping, and discipling, in that young people, particularly younger generations, have fallen away from the faith. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's a product of, uh, you know, government-controlled, paganistic, uh, humanistic uh, schooling. And Mm. so for just over 100 years now, since 1918, we've uh, basically handed over the raising of our children for eight hours a day, five days a week for 13 years. Uh, And, of course, it doesn't really matter how much of a strong biblical worldview we have in the home. When we've uh, given them over to the state, it's going to be tough to compete with. So Mm. uh, we've been seeing this uh, for many years now that uh, young people go off to college and especially state schools and so forth and end up really questioning their beliefs. And they end up, uh, you know, really walking away from uh, the Bible. Uh, One of your uh, fellow uh, frequent guests uh, and a good friend of mine, uh, uh, 
Russ Miller often talks about that, how how important it is for us to to really instill in our young people a biblical worldview, yes. not just a religious uh, system. So, uh, yeah, it's the, the the future looks bleak. I have mm-hmm. to tell you, when we're losing the the next generation, and of course we're dealing with the the global elites coming in trying to usher in this great uh, reset that I talked about in the article. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, there's hope, and that's what we're going to get to today. There's definitely uh, a light on the uh, in the tunnel, and we're and God's Word is clear on that. We're looking forward to talking about it. So a couple questions that uh, you suggested, and then we're going to talk about your article before we dive into this. Where does the church stand, and particularly the church in America, at the end of 2021? Um, we, well, we just looked at one survey there on, on the people falling away from religion or the faith. How about questions for the church to answer as we head into 2022? And then what should we, as Bible-believing Christians in America, what should we be prepared for in 2022? And I think, JB, your article, The Greatest Reset, answers in part a little bit of each one of those questions. So let me just quote you. We just posted this this morning at Stand Up For The Truth podcast Facebook page. Um, You say this, What once was a secretive plan known only to the elites themselves and a handful of relentless investigators is now out in the open. The Luciferian conspiracy is no longer an assertion of a few well-informed researchers. It is a brazen blueprint for a new world order outlined in books, summits, and the evening news. The war between Satan and God has raged for 6,000 years and is heating up and racing toward the final battle, Armageddon. Along with his demons and earthly accomplices, Satan is pulling out all the stops as he seeks to take control of the earth and usher in the one-world political, economic, and religious system prophesied in Scripture. Now, there's so much in that, J.B., but let's start at the beginning of your article and refresh people's minds or those of us who are maybe newer to this idea of the Great Reset and the globalist uh, movement and the Luciferian agenda. Let's let's start with, you mentioned Klaus, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, the World Economic Forum, um, and many others, but you quote a few, including David Rockefeller and James Paul Warburg. Could you start with sharing some of the things out of their own mouths. Yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting over a bit of a uh, flu here. In fact, I was pretty rough this weekend. As you know, David, we, yes. we exchanged emails, and I was wondering if I was going to even be able to make it today. So pray for my voice to hold out for the rest of the program here. And I know our uh, folks at Not By Works Ministries and Plum Creek Chapel are praying for us today, too. Thank but, uh, yeah, the title of the article, The Greatest Reset, of course, is a play on the the phrase, the Great Reset, which is what the World Economic Forum is calling what's happening now. Klaus Schwab's book, COVID-19, The Great Reset, they're talking about how this uh, uh, pre-planned virus that had been in the works for 22 years that was intentionally released uh, was intended to serve a purpose, which is to usher in a one-world system. So that's very clear. Uh, We get into that in great detail in an hour and a half video called What in the World is Going On, Part 1, which is linked up in that article. Uh, But uh, what I got to thinking about was, uh, although the Great Reset is happening before our very eyes, there's a much greater reset, indeed the greatest reset, which the Bible speaks of, which will happen when Jesus Christ comes back to take the throne. Mm. Uh, You read that passage from Jeremiah's prophecy that speaks of that future uh, one-world system where he is ruling in perfect justice and peace. But uh, but yeah, some of the uh, quotes there from uh, from uh, Luciferians over the years. David Rockefeller, who died in 2017, said, "Quote: The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto to the national auto determination practiced in past centuries." In other words, what he's saying there is, we don't need nation states, we don't need national sovereignty, <clears throat> we need a one-world government. Mm. And then James Paul Warburg, that uh, from, from the famous Warburg elite uh, family, he said, "We will have world government, whether you like it or not, by yeah. conquest or consent." And so, uh, this is something they've been working on, not just for centuries, but literally for millennia, 
from the time Satan got banished from heaven uh, with one-third of the angels that became demons, he's been trying to take over this world. And uh, he does not believe what he reads in the Bible, so he thinks he has a chance, even though <laughs> he's already been defeated at the cross. Uh, so he's this is this is his end game right now. It's being rolled out. He thinks he's closer than ever before to ruling the world, uh, but of course he's sorely mistaken. Yes. Yeah, so JB James Paul Warburg, um, when did he say that? Because let me repeat that quote for the our listeners who may have been going, wait a minute, because uh, some people are driving to work and other people are doing something at home. Some people are at the office and kind of have us on in the background. Warburg said, "We shall have." world government, whether you like it or not. And then he said, by conquest or consent. Do you know when he about when he said that? Yeah, that was after World War II. Uh, wow. James Paul Warburg of the Warburg dynasty died in 1969. And so uh, he's, you know, a lot of these uh, globalists really felt like with the establishment of the U.N. after World War II, this was, you know, this was going to be their one world government. Of course, uh, you know, God's sovereign and God's timing is always going to reign supreme and be perfect. So, uh, you know, they would have ushered it in a long time before now if they could have. Yep. Uh, we know they will be successful for a seven-year period when the Antichrist himself takes the helm of this one-world uh, satanic system. But uh, they've been striving hard ever since then. But, yeah, it was in that same context there uh, right after World War II. So let's talk about a, a guy, Brzezinski, and his quote. And I'll let you share his full name earlier as far as pronunciation. But um, he said, arrogantly proclaiming, as you say, quote, Today, it is infinitely easier to kill one million people than to control one million people. Now, we know uh, the global elites are pushing population control. They're using the environmentalist movement. Um, but they, we, they also, some believe, are using medical tyranny and the, they're, they're preventing people from getting treatment for COVID-19 and only forcing people to get vaccinated. A lot of people believe that that is one way they are actually killing people and censoring information on what can actually help people, therapeutics that can help people. So your thought on this quote by Brzezinski and what's happening, at least medically, yeah, so Zbigniew Brzezinski is a classic example of a uh, an elitist who uh, served in both Republican and Democratic administrations because, of course, as we've talked about before on your show, there really is no right-left paradigm. They're all, you know, controlled assets. But uh, uh, he was National Security Advisor under Jimmy Carter, for example, but also <laughs> served uh, in the Reagan administration. So he, uh, he said that, quote, that it's easier to kill one million people than to control one million people in 2008. He died the same year uh, David Rockefeller did in 2017. Uh, but basically what he was saying is that they know and have known for many, many, many years that the only way they're going to usher in their one-world system is to get rid of people. And so the eugenics program that was so prevalent and in-your-face right around the turn of the 20th century, still very much at play. They just changed the name and called mm -hmm. it you know, family planning. But uh, <laughs> that eugenics program was on record as stating we need to get the population of the world down to 500 million. And their goal in that is that when we get it down to 500 million, two-thirds of those will be the serfs, who are just the worker bees to, to serve the elites, and one-third will be the upper class. And so uh, he knows that, uh, especially in America, which is kind of, was, was kind of his home base, that that's uh, really almost going to be impossible because we have a long history of uh, being uh, biblically based and uh, freedom loving and gun owning, and so the only way you know to control uh, the world is to get rid of America, and so that's kind of what he meant when he said, "Look, we can kill a million people just like that, uh, uh, much easier than we can control them." Now, don't get me wrong; it's pretty easy to control people too with mind control and mass hypnosis and just. It's just amazing to me how, how easy it was to see them roll out this great deception and to see otherwise intelligent people, you know, running around wearing masks, which do absolutely nothing to stop, you know, upper respiratory viruses. Uh, and, and the science has known that for 100 years. Uh, you know, you'll see people out jogging out in the open air through a park wearing a mask, and it's just, it's just silly. So it's still pretty easy to control people, yep. too. 
But his statement was that if needed, we, we know how to kill you. <laughs> so we're talking with J.B. Hickson, and when we come back from our break, uh, we're witnessing like never before the setting of the stage for the climactic conclusion of God's plan. We will finish up his article, The Greatest Reset, and answer the question, where does the church stand at the end of 2021? More with J.B. Hickson of Not By Works Ministries when we come right back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. One more time, uh, you can vote for your favorite podcast or guest in 2021 by emailing comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com or you can call and leave a quick voicemail at 800 979 9010 extension 105 and we'll announce the results tomorrow there appears to be a three-way tie or something very close to that so we'll announce the results tomorrow um, back to JB Hickson's article before we talk about a couple questions including where does the church stand at the end of this year um, the article the greatest reset he writes quote the Luciferian conspiracy is no longer an assertion of well-informed researchers now, we quoted this earlier, and J.B., uh, I, I still think there are a lot of people who are in the dark, but I think part of that is a willful ignorance. Um, I think there's so much information out there as far as the church goes. We could be accessing this, and we could be well-informed, but I think a lot of people just don't want to believe that it's happening. Do you think that's true? Yeah, I do. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci famously said there are three kinds of people in the world, those who see, those who see when they're shown, and those who will never see. Mm. And I just feel like uh, there are, for a lot of people, no matter how much you give them the evidence and show them the facts, both from Scripture and history, they just don't have an appetite for it, and they're, they're sticking their head in the sand and won't believe it. Uh, but I do feel like this uh, um, the COVID uh, pandemic and all the associated medical tyranny mm. and the vaccine mandates has really served to wake up a lot of people, and so that provides an opportunity for us to drive people back to the Word of God and show them how all of this fits into God's plan of the ages. Mm. Let's uh, finish this up when you say, um, I love the encouragement at the end of your article, when you find yourself anxious, whether that be about the great satanic reset or anything else that's happening right now, you say, stop and contemplate the greatest reset that is to come. You say the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, will return to inaugurate the long-awaited kingdom of peace, righteousness, and justice. But I want to quote Psalm 2, which you point to in your article, J.B. Um, it says, Why are the nations restless? This is the New American Standard Version. Why are the nations restless? I believe another translation says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers conspire together against the Lord and against his anointed, capital A, saying, let's tear their shackles apart and throw their ropes away from us. But then you say, it says in verse 4, and you comment on this in your article, he who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. I find that to be just fascinating and then at the end of that Psalm 2, it says, let's sober up. <laughs> it says, serve the Lord with reverence and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, capital S, Son, that he not be angry and you perish on the way. For his wrath may be kindled quickly. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. J.B., um, the Lord is not pacing in fact, he thinks it's kind of somewhat comical that men are trying to conjure up these schemes, including the, re the Great Reset, as you write to finish up your article. Yeah, it's, uh, <clears throat> it's amazing. Psalm 2, of course, is a psalm of David. Uh, we only know that because in the New Testament, the book of Acts, uh, it's, a, it's ascribed to David. Uh, but a thousand years before the birth of Christ, which we're about to celebrate, uh, David, uh, under the inspiration of the Spirit, predicted uh, that uh, this 
any attempts on the part of Satan and his co-conspirators to take over the world and to throw off the sovereignty of Almighty God will be thwarted, already have been thwarted. In fact, it, in the aorist tense there, it's, it's saying that Christ essentially is already on the throne. He hasn't taken up that office yet. He's waiting at the right hand of the throne of God for to, uh, to come back to the earth and take the throne. But it's as good as done. And uh, therefore, God laughs. It's mm. it's uh, it's amazing, uh, you know, when when anybody would think they can overcome the Almighty, All Powerful Creator <laughs> of the universe. Yeah. And yet that's what these Luciferians uh, think they're doing. By the way, before we get to those questions, I just I have one question for you about the voting on this uh, favorite uh, guest. Sure. Are you going to be using the Dominion voting tabulation system to count those votes? <laughs> I no. want to make sure. Otherwise, <laughs> I don't think I stand a chance. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Let me, let me tell you, this. what's funny is I preached at church yesterday on uh, Jesus, Mighty God, the Root and the Descendant of David. That was the title of the message. And before, I was on my way up <laughs> to preach, and Crash, who is the operations manager here, he also does security at our church, and he, he, I knew he was joking. He came up to me and said, hey, I promised some guy in the back you were going to talk about election fraud during the sermon. <laughs> so oh, yeah. he was joking, of course. But, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a fascinating thing we're going to look at when it comes to um, elections next year, uh, midterm elections. It's going to be fascinating. But, yeah, people can just simply email. We're doing it old school. You can even call a phone number. Or we're not doing any mail-in ballots, so just email. Um, so hopefully that will that will be um, as accurate as possible. But yeah, that's funny. And and it's you're on there. You're on the list, by the way. Uh, you're, you've got votes. So let me just close out your article before we answer those questions, um, it, because it's encouraging, and I want to leave people with this today because we're celebrating Christmas all year round, but this week particularly. You say, when Jesus returns, he or Christ will make all things new. And that's from Revelation, a promise from Revelation. You say, all the injustices and inequities of life will be made right. And then you say, uh, you quote, actually, uh, Daniel, the prophet, reminds us this in Daniel 7, 13 and 14. Then to him was given dominion, there's that word, and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Daniel seven thirteen and 14. Because, J.B., we do want to leave people with hope and encouragement, and that's how you ended your article. So thank you for doing that. Again, it's available at Harbinger's Daily. It's called The Greatest Reset. We will also link to it in today's podcast post. So let's answer those questions. Let's talk about this, JB. Where do you think uh, the church stands after all what's happened with COVID, after we've seen younger generations fall away from the faith? There's more nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and there's more people that are kind of trying to rely on government than on God that we've ever seen before in in American history. So your thoughts on where the church stands at the end of 2021? Yeah, so the short answer is, I think, uh, slightly better than we were at the end of 2020. And uh, here's why. I think 2020 was a terrible, embarrassing blight on the church because we completely were derelict in our duty, bowed down and worshipped at the altar of the government, and closed up shop, quit worshipping God on Easter Sunday, no less. And it was really a shame. Now, not every church, but right. the vast majority did. Um, but I think very quickly uh, in 2021, many churches uh, repented of that, saw that that was a mistake, uh, and they kind of turned it around. And so I think there are more churches today that uh, will not fall prey to that type of tactic again if they were to try it. Uh, we kind of recognize that we dropped the ball. But still, the vast majority of churches here at the end of 2021 are compromised and have abandoned the truth of God's Word in favor of a government-led Christianity. Uh, There's always a small remnant. Uh, We know that. That's true throughout biblical history. Um, 
but we need to do a better job of distinguishing ourselves from the world's system. And uh, we need to remember our purpose. And I think that's what it comes down to at the end of 2021. As we look forward to the coming year, and certainly there's going to be more suffering to come, more world changes to come, uh, are we going to get back to the Bible and understand the purpose of the church? And, you know, Scripture is clear what the purpose of the church is in this present age. Mm -hmm. And I can promise you it's not to simply do the government's bidding. No, I think uh, we've learned a painful lesson, JB. You're right, and I, I yeah, I, I think we are doing better. I think we are more people have been awakened in the last two years. I think more true Bible believing Christians, which we might refer to as the remnant in America. I think the remnant is strong. In fact, I think the remnant is stronger because there is only that portion of believers in Christ in America that have been standing up for the truth, trying to, regardless of censorship, we're trying to continue to get the word out there, the gospel, of course, but also what's truly happening in our nation regarding the censorship of truth, uh, whether that be the biblical worldview or whether that be uh, medical options, the other view of uh, if you don't want to get vaccinated, well, they've censored the whole other view and, and reasons why. We've never seen that before, but we are seeing more people try to fight this and stand up for it. So that's been encouraging for, to me as well. So I would agree with you that at the end of 2021, the church is a little bit stronger. We're in a better place than we were at the end of 2020. Um, but boy, did we learn a lesson. And I think, JB, you said the altar of um, government. I think there's an if I could put it this way, and I want to get your response. I think there's also an altar of fear. I think fear was something that governed too many so-called Christians or believers' actions or decisions than faith. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's a great point. Uh, when I talk about worshiping at the altar of government, I'm in my mind I'm thinking of the churches and church leaders and evangelical leaders and so forth. But you're right, widespread just among the average believers sitting in the pew, uh, I think uh, fear was the, the the big tactic that they uh, these elitists used to to roll out uh, some of these things it was and it was so inconsistent if you go back and listen to some of the media coverage for all the way from you know two years ago moving forward you just see one you know contradiction after another you know but it didn't matter they could make up stuff with impunity and as long as they struck fear in the hearts of americans uh then they accomplish their goals. So, yeah, I think that's a good reminder, too, is that we need to remember that fear is not of the Lord. God has not given us a spirit of fear. And we need to make our decisions based on facts. Now, that's harder to do in an age when they're censoring information and yep. shutting it down. But still, you can get there. You can, you can find it. And our series, What in the World is Going On?, we talk about how hundreds of thousands of doctors worldwide are on record talking about the truth about the virus, the uh, response to the virus, the masks, some of those types of things. So uh, it's, a, it's incumbent on us not to let fear be our motivating uh, driving force. Okay, JB, before we get to number two, we've got three questions we're answering. And the next one is um, questions for the church to answer as we head into 2022. I want to share a quote, a tweet that didn't age well. Uh, just over a year ago, Kamala Harris tweeted this. The first thing Joe Biden and I will do in the White House is get this virus under control. Well, I, I'm not sure they wanted to get the virus under control. And then I just read this, which apparently is breaking. Winter is coming. And here's a tweet, a quote from the White House today, whitehouse.gov. We are intent on on not letting Omicron disrupt, d disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. I'm not making this up. You can get this quote at whitehouse.gov. They tweeted this out, and it's almost unbelievable that they are now, I think they're expecting eventually the unvaccinated to be wearing a, a yellow patch on our, our arms or something. What are your thoughts on this? First of all, the fact that a year ago they said, we're going to get this virus under control. 
And now they're pointing all to the unvaccinated as uh, we've got this this plague and we're like lepers. What do you think, JB? This is this is dangerous <laughs> rhetoric. Lie. That's what liars yeah, do. Yeah. So, uh, first of all, uh, Harris and Biden are just placeholders. They're not. They have no control, no power. They're puppets, uh, pawns in the game. And so it doesn't surprise me that a year ago they were saying we're going to do this. I just ignore it. it. It's just blah 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 because you can't count on anything that they're saying. The real powers uh, are the ones that are behind the scenes, the hidden powers. Uh, so that doesn't disturb me too much. But it does disturb me that they're lying and saying that this is all about the unvaccinated. The facts just simply don't bear that out. Uh, all across the world, it is the vaccinated that are vastly uh, becoming sick at, at vastly greater uh, percentages than the unvaccinated. Um, in fact, just last week, there was a school in the Northeast, I can't remember which one it was, but they shut down because they had 900 cases of COVID. And, and according to the dean there, quote, almost all of them, that's his quote, I think that's the exact quote, but the vast majority or almost all of them, something like that, he said, uh, were among the vaccinated. So, uh, I mean, they could, the media just, you know, reads a script and, and so does Biden, so do Biden and Harris. So uh, they're, you know, they're, they're lying uh, blatantly. Mm. Um, but I do think that, uh, you know, this is a serious uh, virus. They keep putting new, new uh, scariants out there, we call it, uh, and trying to get people worried about it. But look, it's winter time. People are going to get the flu. My family just got it. It's not fun, but uh, people get the flu every year. And, yep. and uh, <laughs> but it doesn't, <clears throat> excuse me, it doesn't mean it's not affecting some people pretty drastically. We've all known people that have either died or had serious consequences from it. I have a dear friend that just recovered from it, was in ICU for 18 days wow. on a respirator. So, uh, Go back to Zbigniew Brzezinski's statement. Uh, you know they're they're using this and the vaccines as well to uh, you know call the earth of the useless breathers that they don't want. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, I like the way you called it a, a quote that didn't age well. But <laughs> frankly, uh, you know their quotes are all stale the moment they leave their mouth. If you ask me. Yeah, it's it's we're seeing more people are, are recognizing an agenda, something behind this. Because if they really wanted to get this, quote, virus under control, I think they would have gone about it much differently. And they would have allowed therapeutics and medications out and treatments outside of simply the vaccination. But they've pushed the vaccination is the only thing that they were promoting that could actually help COVID. So when we come back from this break with J.B. Hickson, questions for the church to answer. And then what should we as Bible-believing Christians, what should the church be prepared for in 2022? More with J.B. Hickson in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Our guest is J.B. Hickson, and now we answer the question... Uh, well, questions for the church to answer as we head into 2022. I can see this is, could be going in so many different directions, JB, in, including the pulpits and church leaders. And are we going to lead differently than we have generally in the last couple of years? So your thoughts on questions for the church to answer? Yeah, I have several that just kind of came to my mind as I was thinking about this over the last week. Uh, I think right at the top of the list has to be are we going to take our direction from the Bible or from the government? I mean, that's the, that's the main mm. question, because uh, we don't know exactly what they're planning, uh, but as you uh, pointed out with that uh, tweet from the, uh, the White House uh, today, uh, clearly they've got some more things up their sleeve. Uh, by they, I don't mean the White House. I mean the Luciferians that are kind of using the White House as a puppet. Um, and so I think we need to resolve right now at the beginning of 2022, uh, are we going to take our cue from the Bible or from the government? Mm. And then uh, another uh, a question I think that's that we need to consider is, are we going to prioritize end times prophecy in our teaching? I mean, my goodness, if not now, when? I mean, end times prophecy, the stage is being set 
vividly right before our very eyes. And that was really the main point of that article that we've been talking about, The Greatest Reset, mm-hmm. is I wanted people to understand <clears throat> as, uh, as you know, anxious as we might be about all of these things, uh, it just shows that the stage is being set for the greatest reset of all time. And so those churches uh, that are ignoring the teaching of God's Word about future end times uh, prophecy uh, really need to rethink that. And uh, and that's a question that you need to consider. Are you going to, you know, bring in some prophecy speakers to your churches? Are you going to, you know, teach from that 16% of the Bible that deals with unfulfilled future prophecy? Or are you going to, you know, steadfastly hold firm to your 84% approach where you're only teaching your people 84% of the Word of God? Mm. Um, so are we going to prioritize end times prophecy in our teaching? I think another question is, uh, are we going to ignore what's happening at warp speed, or are we going to address it head-on? I mean, I, I still believe, uh, I still find it hard to believe, frankly, that there are pastors out there still going through the motions at a time like this. You know, they're preaching through Leviticus, or they're preaching through, you know, ten keys to a happy marriage, or something as if everything's normal. And, you know, the world is burning down all around us. And I think it's time for pastors to realize that this is an unprecedented time in uh, in human history, and we have a, we have the answers right there in God's Word, and we need to address it head on. Um, I think another key question for the church to answer as we head into 2022 is: uh, Are we going to try to win this battle in the political realm or the spiritual realm? In other words, are we going to hit our knees or rely on corrupt voting systems? Uh, I feel like uh, a lot of believers still think that this is about Republicans versus Democrats. Mm. So uh, I don't know what it's going to take to to convince people that, you know, that's just the whole thing is controlled. If we didn't learn that in 2020, then, I mean, you know, fooled me once kind of a thing. So uh, I I think we need to recognize this is a spiritual battle. Mm -hmm. We need to call the church to prayer. We need to fight it on our knees fight it through the sword of the Word of God, and stop playing right into their hand by saying, oh, well, every two years, if we can just get our guy with an R after his name in office, then we're going to be better off. Um, you know, that's just, that's, we've talked about this before on here, the fake right-left paradigm, how that was all made up and mm-hmm. contrived. Carol Quigley talked about that in his book, Tragedy and Hope. So it uh, doesn't mean we don't have to get involved in the political system, uh, especially at the local level. We did see a lot of positive things happening at the school board and city council levels. Yep. But uh, so certainly encourage believers to be active and be involved when they can. But fundamentally, this is a spiritual uh, battle. Um, and then I think another uh, question that needs to be asked is, are we going to call out Christian leaders who are aiding and abetting the Great Reset? Um I think we have a whole list of key evangelical leaders who have been out there pushing the vaccine, pushing the government narrative, uh, and shame on them. And we need believers to uh, to see that for what it is and, and to call them out. You know, the Apostle Paul was not afraid to name names. Uh, in fact, Scripture tells us in Romans 16 we should mark those who are teaching false doctrine. So mm-hmm. I think that's a real question. Uh the time is going to come very quickly, and it really is already upon us, when we've got to differentiate between the false prophets and the true biblicists. So are we going to call out those Christian leaders who are aiding and abetting the Great Reset? Even if they're doing so unwittingly, we need to call them out. Um, so the, 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 the real question is, will the Church be swept up in this tide uh, of the major paradigm shift, or are we going to stand up and speak out against it? Uh, using the Word of God as our as our lamppost and our guide. So, JB, how do Christians hold leaders, church leaders particularly, accountable uh, for uh, what you're what you're talking about? How do we do if if they're not going to a church that is is uh, standing for some of these things that that you're talking about? Uh, if they're going to a good church, a good solid Bible believing church, and the whole counsel of God, they're touching on Bible prophecy, they're addressing cultural or social issues. So they're not concerned with their church, but there are some church leaders that are very influential in America that have taken stances that have, quite frankly, a couple of them have surprised me. 
Uh, I'm sure maybe they have you as well, some well-known uh, people that uh, you know have a platform and they have influence. How do we hold them accountable if we don't go to that church, you know, other than just talking about it on a podcast, putting it out on your social media? So how do we do that? Yeah, I think uh, it depends on who, who the person is the average believer one thing you can do is just stop promoting them stop forwarding their quotes or their tweets and stop speaking positively about them and when you hear other people speak positively about them interject and say well you know he or she (laughs) promoted the vaccine or he or she is pushing this or he or she is pushing that make people aware because um you know obviously you know people that they can say things that are correct, and some of these evangelical leaders I'm talking about, obviously they have great things to say on certain subjects, but this is the defining issue of our day. And so, you know, when someone is, is quoting a key leader, and you're right, I, I was very surprised by some of these. I've shared the platform with some of these guys mm. at conferences and been keynote speakers with them, and it just is beside, I'm beside myself wondering yeah. how they could you know, not see this for what it is, and it really makes me question their motive. Uh, makes me wonder if they're compromised, but uh, not making any accusations, just asking a question. So I think, you know, be aware of it, and, and don't let it, when people bring them up, don't let it go by without at least giving a, a caveat. That's right. And I question their discernment as well, whether they're, it's their motives or their discernment. But so the final question, a little bit more we can talk about, and we've got eight minutes left, seven minutes or so, um, what should we be prepared for? Some of this might be speculation, of course, but it's fun to, from that biblical worldview, that's our starting point. Now we look ahead to the next year. We've learned about what's happened in the last couple years or so, and we know the advancement of global socialism. We know what the left, and you know, as you say, the left-right paradigm, but the more so on the left, they, they are enemies of, of the biblical worldview. What are they going to do in 2022? So what should we be prepared for, J.B.? Well, you're right, it is speculation, but that's okay, because by definition, preparedness requires speculation. Mm -hmm. You can't be prepared unless you think through scenarios that might or might not happen. That's that's the definition of being prepared. So uh, I think what the Church should be prepared for in 2022 is, first of all, additional increased attempts on the part of the Luciferians to institute massive global control. Uh, This is their their endgame, and uh, they have not achieved it yet. Uh, but they cannot achieve their goal of world domination without overcoming or marginalizing the Christian church in America first. Uh, we are the restraining influence right now in this uh, great country. As, as, as many things that, that are going wrong in our country right now, it's still a great country, and we're so thankful for it. But uh, the, America is in the crosshairs of the elitists because we're the one free nation standing in the way of total world domination. And so I think we need to look for them to ratchet that up. Uh, we, we can and, and I think should speculate on potential scenarios that could accomplish that. We could see another type of virus uh, that's even more deadly that, that they use to, uh, to, to bring us to our knees, that we could see economic uh, issues that, you know, a total economic collapse. We could see uh, weather warfare. We could see um, um, actual warfare. I mean, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of saber rattling going on with China and Russia and Taiwan and Ukraine and all kinds of things. Uh, so I think we need to be prepared for some type of event to happen in the not too distant future that they will then use to try to gain even more uh, control. So um, what should the church be prepared for in 2022? I think we, uh, we need to get back to the Bible uh, and stand firm on God's Word. We do have a resource that gives us everything we need for life and godliness, mm-hmm. and that includes, by the way, life and godliness during a global crisis and a pandemic. So the Word of God is, uh, is readily available. Um, I think uh, we need to be... Uh, prepared to take a serious look at Romans 13 from a literal grammatical historical framework and stop proof texting that passage to say, well, we've got to do whatever the government says. Um, Now's the time to think through that, Mm -hmm. because when something happens, it will likely happen fast. And if you've not studied the Word of God and and properly interpreted it, then you're going to be left making a knee-jerk reaction that is not likely to be 
uh, accurate. So, and then finally, I think the church needs to be prepared in 2022 to stand firm and face persecution. Mm. Um, we have been so blessed throughout our history as as a country to not face the kind of persecution that is so prevalent throughout the world. Yes, uh, I mean there has been some, obviously. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, not nearly as widespread and pervasive and severe as it is throughout church history. But I think that's coming to our shores, and we need to think through what if it happens in 2022, uh, what lines will we not cross, and are we prepared to face uh, persecution? Well, like you said, uh, persecution, uh, just up north, our neighbors in Canada, one of our guests on the podcast this year, uh, Pastor Tim Stevens, was arrested, imprisoned. He was in jail three times. Um, and so that that was just for holding a church service, keeping his church open, because he was being obedient to the Word of God, and it, in his words, to Christ rather than to the uh, governing authorities. And uh, they were trying to say you can only have such a per- like a percentage of people at the church. He refused to do that. That will come to America if they are going to clamp down on this new was it o- Omicron? Did I say that right? I don't. Omicron. Omicron, yeah. Omicron. Anyway, so JB, with uh, three minutes left here, I just want you to give some encouragement because we in the church, are, are we're human, and many of us have been dealing with fear of the unknown, fear of the future of 2022. If they can get away with this, what are they going to try next? So can you give us some encouragement as we go into Christmas to deal with these fears, these very real fears, but we need to make sure we're doing that from a biblical perspective, don't we? Yeah, we do. I think, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's strange. For 32 years of ministry, I've frequently had, and I'm sure you get this a lot too, people reach out and say, hey, can you help me find a church in such and such a region of the country? Yeah. Or uh, what should I look for in a church? And for 32 years, it's mostly the, the number one issue has just been find a church that's clear and accurate on the gospel. That's what matters most. But now I've had to, had to add a second criteria, and that is find a church that is going to, to speak out against what's happening, uh, that to me is the defining issue. And mm-hmm. so now it's becoming even harder for believers to find places to worship because you gotta you got to vet them on the clarity of the gospel and accuracy of the gospel, and also where do they stand on the defining issue of our day. But, but I would be encouraged, and what I would encourage people to remember is God wins in the end. That's not just a trite, pithy saying, it's so true. We hang our hat on the future kingdom that is to come. Paul said, if in this life only we had hope, we are of all men most pitiable, but we have hope in the life to come. And so uh, be encouraged. Think for yourselves. You know, Do the research. Use critical thinking skills. And don't assume just because you're hearing it on TV or hearing it even from your doctor, who most doctors, sadly, are just parroting the, you know, the, the mainstream line. Uh, so think for yourselves. Stay in the Word of God. The Word of God is quick and powerful. And uh, Isaiah 26.3 says he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So hmm. we want to keep our minds fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, J.B. Hickson. God bless you and your church and Merry Christmas. We appreciate you and your ministry, brother. Merry Christmas, brother. All right, tomorrow we've got Pastor Matt Truella, pastor of Mercy Seat Christian Church, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and he is known for the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates, also one of the founders of Missionaries to the Preborn. Matt Truella tomorrow. Thank you guys so much again, and as always, God bless you, and keep speaking the truth about things that matter. Merry-